Welcome to Gu Dao Jingxing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into Taoist classics. To uncover their timeless wisdom and to talk about how to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm David Wang, executive coach. I'm joined by Ian Felton, practicing psychotherapist. Hi, Ian. Hey, David. Good to see you again this week, and we are going to have another conversation on Taoism. I'm excited to explore what's what's today's theme. Well, you know, we're still, I think, in the middle of facing a lot of the challenges, you know, global challenges and societal challenges. And thank you, uh, by the way, for sharing with me a very interesting article from the Star Tribune on the uh, failing juvenile justice system. Mm. I took some time to read it. So I wanted to talk to you about it, but since we're not, neither of us an expert on it, uh, we're going to just look at that uh, phenomenon uh, from the Taoist lens. How about that? Yeah, that sounds great. And obviously even, even the experts aren't experts as we saw when you also sent me a pretty long research article from it was, a, I think, a federal department of juvenile justice. I forget the exact name, but yeah, you know, they, yeah. they wrote a very lengthy paper that sounded very academic and, and buried somewhere near the end. There was that one sentence that popped out mm. that if you weren't paying attention, you would have missed it, where they basically threw up their hands and said, in conclusion, we have no idea how to fix any of this what the root causes are, really how to explain this stuff at all. Yeah, yeah, it's all like complexity that defies simple answers. But uh, on the other hand, sometimes, you know, learning uh, Taoism together, uh, I feel like sometimes Taoism, you know, points to the heart of the issues and uh, really sheds some light uh, instead of like, telling us, oh, it's all complicated. (laughs) So I'm curious about your, uh, you know, key takeaway from that Star Tribune article. And also, you know, as you said, I I, I dig into the, uh, through some online research, I dig into that uh, report uh, you just mentioned, uh, I think from the, uh, the, it's almost like 10 years ago or maybe 20, 20 years ago. It's like mm-hmm. around the 2000. So that problem that the juvenile justice system failing seems to be, uh, you know, seems to be having been uh, for a long time. Yeah, and has only gotten worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is your overall, just, uh, you know, share with our listeners, what's your key observation on this issue? The key observation is that we are a society in chaos and a world in chaos. And Tao Te Ching and Lao Tzu talk a lot about that. I mean, that's one of the kind of core themes that goes throughout Taoism and Taoist thought that has been 
again, you're talking about how this juvenile justice problem has been around for a long time because that article that we looked at was about 20 years old, that, that societies in chaos has been around for thousands of years uh, as well, and that there's cycles to that, and that what we're seeing is a cycle where chaos is peaking. Right, 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 right. Let me ask you, uh, you know, more of a, from a philosophical point of view, if you look at our, the, our universe, right? Um, a lot of times, you know, in the universe, there are a lot of changes. How do you distinguish the change, the chaos that we humans experience versus all the, you know, other kind of changes, you know, from a natural perspective? Is that the same or is that, you know, what are the key differences? Well, I think it's, that's what's interesting about Taoism is that Taoism is not about anything binary. It's about interdependence. Mm -hmm. It's about dialectics. Mm -hmm. It's about how different qualities create relationships to one another. Right. And then unfold as bigger relationships, relationships between relationships between relationships. Right. That almost then creates this, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of where the complexity comes from because then there's all these probabilities that arise because there's so many relationships and we can't know anything, um, in a binary way or in a linear way, we can only know things through possibility probabilities. And so what we do know is that change is constant mm -hmm. and for change to be constant, there's a constant dying and recreation. So mm -hmm. that, that is what is interdependent that, you know, if, if we look at, at dying as chaos or disorder, that has to exist for something new to arise. And so the same way with when giant um, bodies uh, at a cosmological scale um, are destroyed, then that gives opportunity for new systems to emerge and and obviously the the earth is composed of destroyed matter from um the universe so that chaos that's the that's what connects the chaos of existence with human chaos throughout history every civilization has arisen from the chaos that preceded it mm -hmm. united states the same way you know the the chaos of the revolutionary war is what led the united states to arise looking at china 5000 year history give or take you know a thousand years and every dynasty arose because there was chaos 
in the previous dynasty, it weakened, it fell apart, a new dynasty rose out of that. The cycle continues. We see it over and over and over again. Right. So chaos and change are kind of interrelated, right? Is there something called good chaos or bad chaos, do you think? Well, I think they like violence, like I say, let's say the juvenile, juvenile, uh, you know, uh, justice system, you know, the things going on on the streets of New York or other, you know, inner cities, uh, those kind of thing is feels like chaotic, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it seems like that is the kind of chaos that people try to take control over. Yeah. And and Lao Tzu talks about that, how um, con control as a strategy doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about that. Well, Lao Tzu talked a lot about how you have to, if you put things up on a pedestal, that's going to corrupt people's hearts. So if you create all kinds of treasured things in your society, you've already started planting the seeds of chaos and disorder. That Lao Tzu's view was that you needed to keep things simple. You wanted people to just stay focused on the simple things in, in life, like mm -hmm. doing, um, focusing on the food that they prepared and making your own clothes and customs and really having a very rich social fabric at the local level mm -hmm. where people weren't enriched through things, but again, through their intimate relationships with each other and their local customs. Lao Tzu said that as soon as you started valuing things and treasures that you were going to create thieves and, and chaos. And, you know, I think let's look at what these juveniles are doing. And yeah. Yeah. Make a uh, kind of a, a describe and or tell us something more like to draw that connection, like what Lord says and also what's going on with the, the juvenile crimes. Yeah. So locally, they don't have, there's no social fabric. There's no um, relationships. There's no, there's a vacuum there. And at the same time, they're, they're in the state of lack as far as our society's standards go. They, mm -hmm. um, the neighborhoods don't have money and resources. The families themselves don't have mm -hmm. money and resources. Mm -hmm. A lot of the families are are broken homes, which we should talk about that too. You know, single parent homes, um, and at the same time, they're being told what makes you significant is if you have these expensive sneakers. Mm, okay. And so, in in that society, what shoes you're wearing, you know, what jewelry you have. Mm -hmm of that signifies your worth mm. and if you don't have any real intimacy in your life any real 
relationships in your life because the type of society that Lao Tzu says is so important. I mean, it's the opposite end of the spectrum in these neighborhoods. Then those are the only things that you feel like you have as a means of having self-worth. And so then there's this desperation to obtain that. And because it feels like a life and death thing to them, you know, they seem to be quite willing to use a gun or violence of any type, rob someone, take their car, take their credit cards, drive it to the mall, buy these shoes that you feel like you need to have a sense of self, buy the jewelry that you feel like you need to have to have a sense of self. And it's a way of just trying to stay alive because inside there's just, you know, a an emptiness. How is it this kind of phenomenon uh, in that population or community different from the rest of the society? In other words, do you think sometimes uh, the rest of the society are just behaving more subtly or delicately and not as violently and as, you know, uh, explicitly? I feel like the same law governs the behavior. The only difference is they just use guns and they are doing, they don't know how to uh, do it in a, you know, sort of a quote unquote civilized manner, while the other part of the society follow certain rules, but are chasing the same thing. What do you think? Yeah, hundred percent. So going, so let's go back to the Warring States period when Taoism was flourishing along with Confucianism and legalism, and there was all this chaos in society. Well, the philosophy that won out was legalism, and that did bring order to the realm, but it 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 perpetuated the problems. So it it just it just organized them in a way. So if we look at Taoism, chapter 38 talks about how when Tao is lost, virtue arise. When virtue arise, humanity follows. When humanity is lost, righteousness follows. And then, you know, when righteousness has arrived, that's the beginning of, of chaos. And that's essentially what we've been left with. We've been left with this adulterated version of Tao, which through laws, people can stand on the laws and say, we're righteous, but they're still doing the same thing. So, you know, if you look at the CEOs of so many companies, they are legally able to exploit people you know, through wage slavery, um, exploit people through all kinds of laws that favor um, them. And we can see that there's this, as a result, there's this huge wealth gap in many countries. The wealth gap in America has become grotesque. Obviously, you have people with, we're talking about people becoming trillionaires while they're still you know, 60% of the population that, you know, is living paycheck to paycheck. So 
legalism, all it did was let people stand on laws to perpetuate the same problem of putting things up on a pedestal and creating this corruption in people's hearts because we value treasure above Tao, virtue, humanity. Um, so no, there, there, there's no difference. It's just they're in a different part of um, this same chaotic world. I mean, they're 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 creating the same type of situation um, as the the juveniles. They're just going about it with different means, using you know the laws in their favor. It's still in inhumane. It's just they have the the gears the the machinery works works for them instead of against them yeah that reminds me of uh you know one of the sayings in Zhuangzi, uh where he observed that uh you know people were who who stole the neighbor's goods got punished while people who stole the resource of the nation they become the kings and princes. So yep. it's kind of a, such an interesting contrast. Does that lead to a situation then? You know, if you know, we put together the article you shared with me and also the, that old article I share with you, um, a lot of the preventions and, uh, you know, suppressions or, or, or even like uh, interventions in this arena haven't been that effective. I was wondering what, was it the lack of the understanding of this problem or lack of effort that, you know, um, sort of make, uh, that make this problem like persistent? You know, it's not lack of, it, it seems like a lot of things have been tried. A lot of these things have to research and study. But still, you know, this is, and, and then the conclusion, as you said earlier, you know, there's no simple answer. So is it, I was wondering, is it because we're just refusing to look at from another angle or perspective, or is it truly, we just, we just, we, we, we just throw our hands off and say, oh, there's no answer to this thing. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's mainly because there's a lack of um, sincerity, I think, on mm. most people's part. I mean, if you look at the politicians, the politicians benefit from the status and privilege that they're afforded by making sure that things keep working the way that they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, like there's the 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 World Economic Forum, which is trying to again control the global economy, and you look at the things that they're trying to do, which is like creating credit scores for people in developing nations. Right. And, and what is that all about? Well, again, it's 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 not. It's about benefiting the financial system, not necessarily individual people's lives. And so 
you know, you, you, you look at what's going on around the world and the economy is what the leaders are focused on. Like they're like humanity is not their concern. Virtue is not their concern. It's the economy. They see the economy as the most virtuous thing and, and see economics as the priority. So when it comes to violence and chaos and things like that, Mm. they're only concerned about it as much as it impacts the economy. Like they don't care about humanity. They care about the, the economy and everything works for the economy. And so we kind of uh, put put the, the card before the horse or something. Yeah, so the it, it's not like there's an economy that works for humanity. There's humans that work for the economy. And so every solution that they come up with, as long as that's still the paradigm, which is that there's an economic system that takes precedence over everything, and anything that we do has to be through the lens of the economic system, there's not going to be any real solutions. It's just going to be, you know, moving around the deck chairs on the Titanic until the whole thing collapses. And when it collapses, then that's where there's the opportunity then for Dow to return for that again, um, people to actually be able to focus on, relationships at a local level focusing you know quit quit valuing gold and treasure and these you know global economic systems that are just you know trapping people and creating chaos and ruining the world i mean this economic system is destroying the planet it's destroying ecosystems it's destroying species it's destroy it's creating climate change, um, desertification, the forests are disappearing, which with it, all of the species that live in those forests are, are dying. We're creating monocultures that are just lack any sort of real humanity or soul. And what we're left with, that's why we're left with politically correct speech, because again, when Tao is lost and virtue is lost and humanity is lost and all we have left is this thin veneer of righteousness, that's when we just have, you know, the thought police arise and just start telling people how to talk and, and how to think like robots in this economic system. It's almost like the last resort, but it's, the but, last it, resort. But, but it's like a very pretty empty uh, lack of the the real da, uh, de, uh, you know, yeah. in, in people because of yeah. that is missing. But you still you you see the the all the dangers and threats, but then somebody just you know like screaming out and say, oh, you know, this is not the right way, but you know, hopelessly or or in, in some way. Yeah, and and so this is just where again, it's I, I it gets so. It could be frustrating if I, mm-hmm. if I, if I let it. But we're trying to explain to mm-hmm. people who, you know, support the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. who you try to explain to them that it's like 
what used to be noble about the Democrats is that they actually focused on the working class people and right. trying to give them a quality of life. And because the Democrats abandoned that, mm -hmm. that's why Trump and populists like him were able to come in and capture their, you know, the vacuum that, that was left. And instead, you know, the Democrats will focus on this politically correct speech and, and labels and, mm -hmm. you know, slogans. And as long as they keep doing that, and I think that they will, because again, the establishment Democrats just care about the economic system. Um, there's just going to be more of, of this, this chaos that arises because the people who are really feeling the brunt of the pain, they care about workers' rights. They care about making money. I don't think the average, well, it's not even think, like they've, they've surveyed Hispanic people mm -hmm. across, I don't know where all, but, you know, to get an idea from them on their views on using Latin, Latinx. Mm -hmm. It's like, they don't care about that. The, what they care about is having a decent quality of life, being paid fairly, having health care. I mean, all the things that people want, that's what people care about. And instead, the Democrats just tend to focus on these, these empty slogans and hashtags and policing people's speech and thoughts. And it's like, that is what the, that's the sign of decadence. That's the sign of something that has lost its way. And until they find their way back again, you're going to have more chaos, more right-wing extremism, more of the working class people not feeling like they have anyone to follow other than these authoritarian people like Trump. Right. Do you think the right-wing people can deliver? Like, uh, I have two questions. One is, it sounds like the working people, they want substance. They don't want the, like the, the just cheap talk, right? Empty talks. Right. Um, so my two questions are, one is, what led them to go astray, right? The, the, led them to forget about the, the real stuff, the real, real deal with the working class. Secondly, now the the right wing people they you know see obviously they see the the gap there you know politically they try to take it exploit that gap mm -hmm. but do you think the the right wing people are better in delivering that to the working class than the you know the traditional Democrats? No, they do the same thing. That's the thing. Like both both parties, it, it, there's not two parties. There's one party that creates chaos, disorder, and works for the economic system. I mean, mm. that's a what people need to understand. Mm. So you're saying the Democrats who used to uh, advocate the, the workers' rights for they lost their way uh, at some point, so that they maybe personally or collectively benefit from the cap, you know, from the, the wealth themselves. I mean, was that the real reason like why they, 
they add, I'm still trying to understand what led them to, uh, you know, forget about the workers' rights. They don't think well, it's, it's important, or they, they just have a uh, enlightened state and so suddenly found that something higher is more important, or or maybe they talked about the, the higher the higher ideals, but in reality uh, they couldn't do it anymore because they are they sold they, they sold their souls to the to the wealthy. Yeah, I think it's mainly the the latter. I don't think it's conscious. I think that it's just a symptom of decadence. It's a symptom of decadence. What and... do you mean by decadence? Yeah. What do, would you, how do you describe that dec decadence? Well, it's, it's the same thing. And like you see who's pushing a lot of this uh, agenda and it's white privilege. I mean, it's white people from highly educated households mm -hmm. who, you know, they're the ones that, it, it, same thing in, in Hollywood, right? Like you look at the people who mm -hmm. are really completely naive about what it's like to be working class, to live paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're living in this decadent realm of society mm. and lecturing everyone about like what is needed and it's just decadence. I mean, they don't, they don't actually want, want to give up their decadent lifestyles, their privilege, et cetera, which is why they want to, you know, censor people's thoughts and tell people what to say and what to think, because that doesn't affect them at all. Like it doesn't affect them. They don't have to give up anything to just mm. lecture people on mm. which hashtags to use and that sort of thing. Um, so it becomes a substitute for real, meaningful change and it makes the people who live within that decadent realm of society it, it assuages them of their guilt they can feel morally superior right 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 but a lot of times you know from the language they use you know they tend to be like more kind of empathy sympathetic but that mm -hmm. is not real either you know, right. like, it's, it, exactly. It's just like what Lao Tzu says in chapter 38, like when Tao is lost, virtue arises. When virtue is lost, humanity arises. When humanity is lost, mm -hmm. then there's just the sort of like empty righteousness that is left. And that's, that is what we're left in, in our society. This, this empty self-righteousness mm -hmm. of, you know, that we that we see just social media is the perfect example of it it's like people arguing with each other on social media doesn't change anything right i i feel it's also a global thing the reason i say that is i feel maybe the us is on the frontier of that because mm -hmm. from a you know human species like development point of view because mm -hmm. uh the system is you know, well established and matured, right? Uh, you know, a lot of things have been tried within that system. But I feel also other countries, probably including China, because even China, I think, is um, even though I think that's another interesting thing, is it claims for 
continuity and uh, you know continuity and consistency and uh, and uh, and also the maintenance of power to say we are a socialist country mm -hmm. but when you look at that more closely it's all about money too about the wealth yes. it's now just it like you know you can maybe say it's a it's a you know with the the, the outer clothing of a socialism yep but inner it's also a one copy of the capitalism you know started right. from yeah. the west yeah right because i don't think i think there's a, like a more spontaneous like if you study chinese history there is a like once society reached to some period of time i think um it gets away from the agriculture I, th I think even in this country, you know, I, I remember reading like uh, Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson was worried among the founding fathers that, you know, people will lose their virtues once they get away from agriculture. Mm -hmm. Right? When there's so much of a trade and then money and people are just don't want work anymore. They just want to, you know, use money to make more money. Yeah. To, yeah. Say more about that. How and the, like connecting that to Dow. I think it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So it's a global thing. I think uh, humankind are facing. I almost feel like at a turning point right now, uh, or I don't know whether it's called a turning point or like crossroads, but something is going on that all these problems that result from this systemic thing are piling up right now. Yeah, let's look at the 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 conclusion of, of what it looks like we're heading toward. I mean, I don't think people are can handle the thought of thinking about it all the time, but I mean, nuclear war seems like a real possibility again, where we could just wake up tomorrow and mm -hmm. maybe a thousand nuclear bombs have been launched overnight. Maybe we won't wake up from that but i mean that could very well be the conclusion of this global economic system that has created mm -hmm. the chaos that we're seeing every everywhere and maybe that's the return to dow after a thousand nuclear weapons are launched within you know a 30 minute time frame and that global system collapses and then Dow is able to arise in a organic, natural way again. The global system has failed; it's collapsed. Mm -hmm. There's only one percent of the global species remaining on the planet, but that will be a chance for it to, um, for that cycle to renew, kind of rise above the ashes. In other words, it has to go to a certain extreme and returning. Yeah, you know, as and we're at that extreme. I mean, it's pretty obvious we're at that extreme. So is there hope then? You know, as individuals, what are we supposed to do or to live during at this stage? Just do what... I mean, I think trying to do what Lao Tzu says, which is again, like, don't worry about your treasure. Don't worry about mm -hmm. 
all these things just live simply focus on just the simple things in life because that's all that has ever mattered mm -hmm. i mean we're such a perverted society i mean it's only the simple things that that matter and we have made this complicated complex mm. machine that has turned us all into you put in our notes can you talk about the philosopher that you um so schumacher that talks about like when when we make these machines then it turns our hearts into machines as well Mm, that's actually a quote from Zhuangzi. Uh, I, I think from one of the, the chapters of Zhuangzi, but that, uh, you know, is connected to Schumacher's, you know, uh, book, uh, Small is Beautiful, because he was very uh, critical of the this, um, you know, big industrial machine or capitalist mm -hmm. machine. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that's basically, in, in some ways, mm -hmm. we've lived like machines so much our whole lives. We don't even know what it means to to live according to Tao. So to that extent, we've never really been alive. So how do we do that now? You know, mm -hmm. I don't. I don't think we are going to. I think people will keep living like machines as long as this global economic system um, lasts. I think people will keep social media will keep making people more robotic and mm -hmm. parroting the propaganda. I mean, that's what's funny. P P Americans talk about all the censorship in China and, mm -hmm. and don't see that you know, when I talk with my Chinese teachers, they say like, well, the government doesn't actually censor anything in China. The companies censor it, but they censor it so that they stay in the good graces of the government. Like there's no law that they have to censor it per, per se. Mm -hmm. And then they can't see that that's exactly what's going on with Twitter, where all the algorithms for censorship on Twitter that basically ban certain ways, words and phrases and sayings and ideas. It's the exact same thing in America. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no difference. Mm -hmm. So I think people will still keep living like robots in this machine economic system as long as it lasts. And if it ever collapses, I think the people at the tail end of it will just be kind of devastated and and frantic and um, very few, I think, will handle it well, but a few people will. And then whatever those next few generations are, they're the ones that Tao is going to arise in because that's going to be the world that they are born into. They're going to be born into a different world where they're not machines, where they are human beings. And then it, that will be interesting. But unfortunately, you know, you and I will, will not see that. Mm -hmm. Who are these people? Do you think they are more uh, spiritually awakened beings? Like, or do they, do you think they are the economically 
um, advantage, ad, 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 more like wealthy people because they have the, all the means to survive the, the greater chaos we're facing, in other words. I think that's an illusion because where does their wealth come from? Their wealth comes because of all of the s slaves that they have around the world. I mean, all of the wage slate, their wealth comes because everyone's working to create their wealth. When that system breaks down, they're not wealthy anymore. Mm, yeah. Like including a lot of them, you know, the, the money in the bank because the system collapsed, right? Yeah. Right. Who, who will be the survivors? I mean, they they are the ones who are almost like favored through this natural process to survive and i'm trying to understand you know the qualities or the the, the situations of these people that you just talked about can you shed some light on that i mean i think they will be people with dallas qualities i mean people who mm. People who are going to wake up to no 401k mm. and kill themselves, obviously, they're not going to make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of their own mental whatever, right, situation, they, they feel like they lose everything. So they yeah. just end their life. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think the people who aren't afraid of being poor, they're going to, you know, poor in the, in the current economic sense of poor. Yes, yeah. You know, people who are just like, no, I like. I don't need a luxury car and luxury clothes and fancy restaurants. And I mean, again, the the things that so many people in our society feel like, oh my God, I don't know what I would do without those things. You know, if I couldn't go and have my twenty dollar, right. you know, cocktail, um, they're not going to make it. So, who's going to make it? People yeah. who know. How People who know how to live simply, people who know how to like grow things and people who know how to just be okay with just existing in a simple way and who also know how to create intimate relationships with people because people are going to need to work together and people are going to need to rely upon each other. I mean, those people are going to be the ones that are more likely to make it. And unfortunately, like in the beginning, there probably will be a lot of um, warlord type of stuff, like people who have guns and ammunition mm -hmm. cause a lot of problems and make things difficult. But, you know, that's those re that those supplies are going to get depleted and then another generation will come after that. I mean... It might take four or five generations for a lot of that stuff to wash itself out, you know, a couple hundred years for um, that to happen. But at that point, who knows what it, what it might look like? I think yeah. it might look a lot more um, cooperative. Yeah. From what you were describing, an image uh, popped up in my mind, you know, in Tao Te Ching, Lao Tzu says about the the big giant trees and the grass, right? The grass is very resilient. So whoever has that maybe psychological agility, uh, mm -hmm. give them a survival edge, mm -hmm. I think through this chaotic period, because if you are like psychologically very 
rigid and you know really you can break very easily oh yeah and that's i think a lot of people because with psychological flexibility yeah it's actually our identities themselves need to be very flexible and most people do not have flexible identities they identify with their jobs they identify with their address they identify with the car that they drive yeah that type of rigidity with your identity when that gets disrupted for so many people it just becomes this devastating thing and yeah those people aren't going to do well right and that reminds me of the, the this uh book classic uh search of meaning right like a mm-hmm. like a, in the uh concentration camp you know yeah what determines uh, who survived and who didn't was mm-hmm. that space between stimulus and response, that freedom. If you have a greater freedom in that space, you're likely to be a survivor. Yeah, you have to create meaning from whatever that situation is. And people who all of their meaning comes from some completely fictional identity that they've created. If that gets disrupted, they lose all their meaning and then they die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also I also agree with you. Like so, in addition to that agility, I also agree with you that uh, strong relationship with uh, with a lot of the it's almost like your support system, but very closely. Uh, I feel during this time time uh, it's I think you'd rather lower down your expectations of the institutions because the yeah. institutions usually are malfunctioning yeah. uh, you know dysfunctional or uh, i mean not going to be responsive to your needs no, not at all right so who really counts the people your family members your closest friends are the mm-hmm. people and then from there you, you know you help each other uh, during that difficult time Exactly. See that that almost like very much sounds like a Tao, don't you mm-hmm. think? The connection and also that water flowing like flexibility and adaptability. Don't you? 100%. think Those are the two things, the of essence of Tao. We are connected, right? So get connected with the real, real thing, and yep. then be flexible. Yep. Ex- yep. It, that's it. Wow. Great. So this is a very interesting conversation, you know, like starting with, uh, you know, the juvenile justice system, but reflecting on larger challenge that we face. I mean, this juvenile justice system is only of the the tip of the iceberg. It's not it's a it's a mirror image you know like a lot of things in the world are uh, what's the word like a fractal it it reflects the parts reflect the whole that you you and i wow it's like you were reading my mind because i before you even said mirror image i was thinking a hologram yeah yeah and Um, fractal hologram yeah it's it's all that's the, the hall of mirrors it's all the same thing and that's exactly it it's you know the the problems with the juveniles that's just reflecting another aspect of the system. It's not this thing that's happening in isolation. It's just 
exactly what you just said. It's just reflecting some other aspect of the same situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, like, you know, sometimes I was wondering, you know, what kind of benefit those researchers and advocates, uh, you know, uh, you know, those people who advocate, uh, you know, changing the system, they can look more closely at Dow and maybe they can, you know, think more out of the box. It, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of interesting to me, like they constantly, you know, trying to find and look for solutions within the, that, within that box. Yeah, exactly. Just like the, you know, the carbon, you know, at the, at the carbon credits at like the, the global scale, like all, all these countries that get together and put on the show about climate change and that sort of thing. And, and again, they feel like they're very much on their high horse and uh -huh, you know, uh -huh. everyone's doing something. On it. It's like, no, carbon credits aren't going to change anything because the extraction of all the resources on the planet so that a few people at the top can have these mountains of, of wealth. Mm. Uh, yeah. Until that changes, they can keep putting on their show and their performance. Nothing is going to change. Right. 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 Which, you know, reminds me of the, I think it's Maslow who said, if you are a hammer, all that you see are nails, right? Or where you, I mean, another saying I remember is, um, where you stand is where you sit. Your perspectives yeah. are determined or almost by, you know, the role that you play or whatever, a conditioned self that we have. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's not going to 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 change unless things fundamentally change and and the people who make all the decisions don't want anything to fundamentally change so mm -hmm. of course we're going to be stuck in the same situation mhm mhm mm mhm mm well that's a I, i'm uh we're um wrapping up this conversation and i really enjoy uh you know having this uh exchange with you and drawing upon the wisdom of taoism and and also connect with the challenge we're facing. And also, you know, I'm praying that, you know, people uh, among us, there are more people who can live uh, in accordance with Tao and who have those attributes. Uh, they are more likely are the carriers of our species, right? which is also a small part in this larger universe. Thank you, Ian. Thanks, David.